Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show. Presented by PointsBet, use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars welcome into studio b of our chgo offices here in the west loop of chicago i'm sean anderson alongside me as always is herb lawrence hello you can follow herb lawrence on twitter at ecknerwall 23 he's a chgo white Sox community leader i'm sean anderson you can follow me on twitter at sean underscore w underscore anderson will be joined a little bit later on in the show by Vinny duber he's our chgo white Sox beat writer you can follow him on twitter at Vinny duber we are here after a White Sox, hold your breath, folks. Are you waiting? Yes. Still wait because this game took four hours to finish. A White Sox loss. And oh boy, did they lose. It's a historic one on the South Side, 21 to 5. And on the broadcast, they noted that this is the most runs, the most runs any team has ever scored in the history of guaranteed rate field. History. So, since 1991, when they opened that park, the most runs ever scored by an opponent just happened today. Herb, how are you feeling with this history? I mean, at least they gave up the most runs. If you don't lose, lose bad. Oh, yeah. Hey. So, Historic. yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, just a piss-poor effort by the whole team. The team winning the first two games. And, you know, I said before this series, win two out of four. That's all I want. But after you win the first two, I got greedy. Let's go and win one more of those two games remaining. And I should be happy that the White Sox split with the best team in the American League, the team with the best record in baseball, I believe. But no, I'm not, because the White Sox were outclassed today. Not even close, like 10 to nothing before the fourth inning is even over. Sad times. And we have to just sit there and look at the White Sox just constantly getting beat and it's feeling like the Simpsons meme or gif where it's like, he's already dead. It's like, yes, <laughs> yeah. stop killing us, Astros. And it, it had to happen to the Astros. The Astros had to do it, too. Right. Like, the team I hate the most. I was thinking, like, there's probably a, not a team, not, not the Twins, not the Royals, not the Indians, or, gar- damn it, Guardians right, or tw- uh, Tigers, not even the Cubs, that I hate as much as I hate the Astros. And they put it on the White Sox, deservedly so. I'm... Kind of halfway happy because they showed that they're miles away from the White Sox. And I hope Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, the whole organization is embarrassed by this effort they gave out today. Because 21 runs to be scored in a Major League Baseball game is ridiculous. And the other part we were talking about is that at the time, the Houston Astros had 17 runs in the game. The White Sox didn't score 17 runs in this series. Nope. A four-game set didn't score 17 runs. Just bad. It's pathetic. And, uh, hey, you mentioned, too, like, the split feels good. But then you look at the run differential. And, yes, it's inflated by this game. But the main point is I don't think the White Sox could do this 
in 100 years. The White Sox could not go out this year and beat a team 21 to 5, let alone a team that has a, a, a record above 500. The teams that they've knocked around this year Detroit 13 to nothing, uh, LA 11 to 4, they knocked around the Giants 13 to nothing, but they're not a playoff team this year. The White Sox take care of business against bad teams. They could not take care of business against the Houston Astros. And looking back on that game on Monday and Tuesday, where they win by two runs and they win by one run. I never, I didn't have a great feeling. Like, it was great that they won. It was a good feeling that they won. But I didn't say, oh, world beaters, Sox are back, because it didn't have that feeling. The White Sox still didn't hit home runs. They had one home run from Yohan Moncada, but, hey, clearly it wasn't enough. Clearly they got mm-hmm. out-homered today. Um, so it was just real rough. Uh, Schwo saying this looks like a bear score. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the White Sox have scored 10-plus runs in six games this year. And the thing is, in multiple and consecutive innings, they had bases loaded with nobody out, as they've had time and time again in this series and this year. We looked at each other. We're like, they're going to score one run. They scored one run on ground ball double plays, or one that was a sack fly that scored Yohan Moncada. Like, they had opportunities. They had chances to get to Luis Garcia. But, of course, White Sox hitters are just very, very stubborn about 3-1 counts. I don't know what they're looking for. Every single time that they had a advantageous count, Luis Garcia is like, I'm throwing a fastball. Go ahead and hit it. Right. And they would just be late on the swing. It doesn't make sense, their approach. What are you looking for there? If you're late on a fastball, there's nothing faster than his four-seam fastball than his arsenal. What else were you looking for? <laughs> what are you waiting for so goddamn long? And they're just falling off to the opposite field. No. 3-1, get ready for a fastball. If he tricks you on a curve or he tricks you on a slider or he tricks you on a changeup, look dumb. Look stupid. You saw the Astros, Yuri Goriel versus Lucas Giolito early in the game, was trying to go for the downs because he saw his changeup and it looks like his fastball. He's like, I'm going to give a fastball swing. He looked dumb. But guess what? couple of those players look dumb. Trey Mancini, crack, home run. Same thing with Alex Bregman, crack, home run. These teams attack fastballs while the White Sox sit back and look at fastballs go over the plate or they follow them off to the opposite field, which just every time it happens infuriates me. Well, and something that I noticed or at least stuck out watching four games of the Astros, Jason ended up saying that the Astros have a very similar first strike swinging percentage compared to the Sox, but they stay aggressive. And you look at the moments that they had a bad moment in this game, Jordan Alvarez striking out against Lucas Giolito with runners on second and third, right? Yep. He strikes out looking at a fastball down the middle. They just didn't stay aggressive. Like, the thing about the White Sox, too, is you see this with Mancata, you see this with Grandal, we've seen this with Jose, getting caught looking and and trying to have that best pitch and that great eye. The White Sox aren't aggressive. They don't put great swings on balls, and it's just so frustrating. And you bring it up in hitters' counts when you have three balls, whether it's a 3-0 count, 3-1 count, 3-2 count, the White Sox are the 18th best team in Major League Baseball with a hitters' count. They have the 18th best weighted runs created plus at 184 in the Major Leagues when it comes to a three-ball count. They have... Nine home runs wow. in those counts. Nine. And how many play appearances? Uh, 400 and f- uh, no, 
plate appearances? Or, or 740. Oh, my Jesus. 456 plate appear, uh, at-bats. Oh, God. Nine home runs. The only other teams with sub-10. Detroit has six. Kansas City has six. Just brutal. That's it? Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> the White Sox are 20, 28th in, in three-ball counts. White Sox. There, there's three teams in the major leagues on three-ball counts that have less than 10 home runs. White Sox, Detroit, Kansas City. That's just shit. Like, yeah, they're, they're a shit team. I hate watching this team. I hate watching this team. I do. I just do. It's, it's brutal. Uh, and it's like auto take on 3-1. But then even then, like, they just can't hit fastballs. We talked about this. Like, their inability to hit fastball. So go look at Sebi Zavala today. Can Sebi Zavala catch up to velocity? We now need to have the Yermin Mercedes question with him. Can he hit anything above 94 miles per hour? Because it really seems like he can't. Sebi hit a slump. That guy was fine. He was producing. He was getting hits. He was getting things to fall. The BABIP was really high. The batting average of balls in play. And now, he just can't even make contact. I mean, it is brutal. Shane saying nine. They've homered nine, nine times <laughs> in the three-ball count. It's ugly. That's the second time I've brought up Ferris Bueller today. Oh, yeah. And, and Luke Stuckmeyer, who's... Grandpa Stucky. He was old as hell. Old as hell. Older than me. I didn't even get the Ferris Bueller reference. Yeah. It's brutal. I said, I was going over to Cody Del Mendo, who was another co-host of uh, the CHGO Cubs, which they're doing their show right now. And I was like, hey, Cody, what's the score? He's like, 0-0. Zero, zero. And I asked him, who's winning? And anybody who's out there listening or watching right now would say, the Bears. <laughs> but no, Cody didn't know it. And then I said that to Luke, and he didn't know it either. I was like, what? What good is it being old if you don't remember classic lines from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I don't remember a lot of lines. I remember that one. There's, there's, there's not a lot that uh, I, I can pull off that my dome, whether from movies or TVs, I can remember that one. Ferris Bueller, great movie. Probably the best Chicago movie? I haven't, I don't, you know, Blues Brothers? Uh, it's up there. I don't like the Blues Brothers. Okay, well, no. I've never seen it. No, I'm not yeah. a fan. I know everybody in the comments probably loves Blues Brothers, but I'm not a fan. Yeah, and I uh, mean, Adventures in Babysitting was good, even though it was filmed <laughs> mostly in Toronto. He's a real righteous dude. Good job, Shane. Yeah. Good shit. <laughs> uh, and hey, uh, I see this from David in here and White Sox Tom. At least we didn't get shut out. We scored five. It's good. Um, I, I think I saw David up here mention uh, something about the run differential for the Sox. Coming into today, the White Sox had a run differential of minus 12. Today, it's minus 28, folks. Not good. Not fun to see. And Run differential counts this year in the playoffs. If you're, if you're going to be tying with the Minnesota Twins or Cleveland Guardians at the top of the, fir, uh, the division in the AL Central and you got the same record as them, you're, you're going to not make it in the playoffs because of that run differential. The White Sox need to take care of business, and this is just ugly. This is just a, a falling flat on your face right here. And the same goes for the wildcard teams, and everybody is just far, far away from the White Sox as far as uh, run differential. And let's see, it's not showing me right here on this uh, thing, but I'm sure Baltimore has a positive run differential. The Twins, we've, we've already discussed um, them. but uh, Baltimore plus six. I mean, for actual playoff teams, if you look at the wild card, um, Toronto plus 47, Rays plus 26, Mariners plus 26, Twins plus 32, Orioles plus five, Sox minus 28, Red Sox minus 25, Rangers minus three. The AJ. Rangers, who are 53 and 65, have a minus three run differential. Clark believes that, well, firstly, John thinks the best herb is Mr. Kent. I'm the best herb since Mr. Kent? No. 
still, even though he has passed, Herb Ken is still the cool gent and the best Herb ever. Um, Running Scared was the best Chicago movie. Do you remember that movie, uh, Billy Crystal? No. The Dealy Departed Gregory Hines? Mm-mm. I've never uh, heard of Running Scared. Ah, uh, great movie. It uh, filmed right here at the Illinois Center, the uh, James Thompson Center there, okay. which is now, I think, it's going to be owned by uh, Groupon or Google, one of the two. Google. Yeah. And Billy so, Crystal in a Cubs jersey? Yeah. It's an old 80s movie. All right. Where they're undercover cops in I Chicago. Jimmy Smith is in it, too. Um, he's I, the, he's I, the big uh, villain. I did screw up. Um, I don't know Jimmy Smith. Um, Smiths. Smiths? Smith. Smith. Jimmy Smith? Smiths. Schmitz? There's no, like, H in it. Schmitz. S-M-I-T-S, I believe it is. Smids. Yeah. Um, does Dark Knight count? Dark Knight does count, yes. It's, but it's Gotham. Yeah, Dark Knight does count. I, I was thinking movies set in Chicago, not filmed in Chicago. Because Blues Brothers, I mean, most of it, some of it's Joliet, but, mm-hmm. you know, Ferris Bueller, Wrigley, downtown, you know, the Burbs. I think that's more of a Chicago movie. Anyways, I, I want to do say uh, I screwed up here. Uh, what you spent? What whether for up? the division title or a uh, wild card, uh, tiebreakers go head-to-head record, interdivision records, interdivision records, last half of interleague games, last half of intraleague games plus one. So it's mainly head-to-head records. So that's what will decide it if the White Sox uh, tie with the Guardians or tie with the Twins. It's a head-to-head record. Rick Wallace saying, got to stop watching them. I don't know if it's at that point. Uh, I understand people's frustration, and I will not tell people to or not to watch them. But on Monday, we were saying, you know, if they turn it around, you know, would you still root for this team? I still think the players deserve our support. I think that they are trying, and I think the main reason why they are not having success is because of extremely, extremely poor coaching and extremely poor leadership from within the coaching staff. That's just my opinion. It doesn't feel like Tony La Russa is truly getting to these players. And Frank Minichino has an outdated style of coaching. I really do think that it is hurting these team, these players. And I think that the talent's still there from these guys. It just seems like they are truly, truly suffering from messaging and excitement and true leadership. And they're looking at the players to step up and be leaders. But I'm sorry, you hire a manager for a reason. Managing is not hard. Managing a baseball game is not hard. Not at all. What you are supposed to do is keep the clubhouse vibes good, and Tony La Russa has not done that. That's why 2021, I was fine with the, the, the overall job that he did because they went 93 and 69 or whatever. They won the division. They improved from 2020. He helped them improve, or he at least kept them, or, or they, they, they still made that improvement. This year is a complete step back. It's about five steps back, and it's ugly baseball to watch. I've always said that I could do the in-game managing of a baseball game. It's pretty easy, especially now with there's no double switches and shit like that, even though those are easy as hell too. But the things where managers get their money and the things where managers are responsible for, as you said, Sean, is the clubhouse, the culture, the leadership you have on the team. The stuff off the field is where managers are supposed to be making their money. Players, for the most part, will win or lose games 95% of the time. Your in-game movies, I mean, your in-game, honestly, I'm thinking about movies. Your in-game moves are minimal, but, you know, Tony LaRussa has been proving that wrong time and time again this season with some of his moves, some of his, like, 
hey, the White Sox are down by one run. I'm going to put in my worst bullpen people instead of putting in some of the guys who can sustain this lead until our offense might get come back. As the White Sox have shown a propensity to come back late in games and get a couple runs for their bullpen. Those things are just aggravating. So Tony fails with so many whispers to have players openly say, this team has no fire. And then him getting mad right. about, hey, we're supposed to keep that in family. Where last year, he didn't keep in family that he was pissed at your mean uh, Mercedes and told the other team to hit him. He was, so, was, he was so obvious with it. Yeah. He was pissed off in the dugout. Yeah. And so he didn't keep it in family. And now he's hypocritical. Now a player's like, this team don't got no damn fire. Like, well, hey, we're supposed to keep that in house. You didn't do it, bro, fucker. Here's I, the thing, too. I gotta go out. Like, I don't understand, like, when he, ma- when he hears that comment about family... Why he's like, oh, Johnny needs to, you know, keep it, keep it there. Like, the whole plan, apparently, was that Tony was going to call a meeting anyways. So, hey, we'll talk about it. You know what? If Johnny, a leader who has won a World Series ring, who has been around the block, goes out and says that, you should let him say that, let it be said, and just be like, oh, I didn't hear it, whatever, and then have that meeting and, 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 and act and don't react. Like, it's, it's a lot of reaction and a lot of acting. I don't know if Tony actually had a meeting planned. That's what he says. Um, but did he? No. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like a lot of crap. And anyways. You and know, why I, does it take until August for somebody to say that? For an outsider to say that? And while we said in the pregame the same thing, Dallas Keiko called this team out last year right. in Detroit. He did it to them first and then went into the uh, the media sessions like, yeah, this team has no fire. We need to get better, this, that, and the other. And the team responded to that positively. I think having leaders call you out. Now, some might get butthurt. Some might get uh, a feel a certain way. I feel you should listen to that. If you feel a certain way, it was the point. You should feel embarrassed. You should feel angry at me that I'm calling people out, that I'm calling you out. And what you going to do about it? You going to prove me right by keep on playing lifeless baseball? Or you going to prove me wrong by going out and doing the job? But Tony's like, no, no, we've had fire. That's why we wouldn't be in the same position if we didn't have fire. Right. Three games over 500, brother. You're losing. Yeah, you're three games over 500. The only reason you're in here is because the Guardians and the Twins are no damn good either. You have a worse run differential than the Rangers. You have just fired their manager, fired the president of baseball operations, are like, 12 games below 500, it's brutal. And Chi-Town Fanboy said something that I do want to you know, let uh, be said. Um, it, it's a little bit up more uh, about the players. It's not on uh, – uh, uh, let let players yes. don't get a pass uh, is what he said. They're the main problem, and that's coming from someone that loathes this coaching staff. Let's talk about the reason why the Sox lost today. It's not really on Tony. It's not on the coaching staff. It's just mainly frustration here. This game, the White Sox lost because Lucas Giolito had a bad day. Yep. Vince Velasquez had a bad day. Jose Ruiz had a bad day. Hate to say it, Josh Harrison had a bad day Mm -hmm. on the mound. Let's go to the balls in play hit by the Houston Astros. We don't need to go at bat by at bat because I thought this game was going to be a little bit closer, Steven. So we can kind of just trash those those, those graphics. Let's look at the balls put in play here. And this is from Vince Velasquez and Lucas Giolito through the fifth inning. This is where the Houston Astros were putting balls in play. Herb, describe to the listeners... What you see, where are the main pitches for the Astros where they're hitting those balls in play and putting very, very good swings on those balls? Where are they in the strike zone? For me, they're all like in the middle of the strike zone, oh. like all in the middle of the strike zone. And then a couple are off the just off right. the plate. But 
Yeah, you're getting beat high. There's a couple of high fastballs up there. There's middle, middle pitches right there. Forcing fastballs, like three forcing fastballs are pretty much in the middle of the quadrant of the of the plate. So, yeah, you're missing, either missing with 93 mile per hour straight as fuck forcing fastballs or you're, you meant to put that pitch there versus the Astros who attack those pitches and murder them. I think I count 12 dots uh, on that screen. Seven of them are in the middle. Four of them are on the outside. Just brutal. And a lot of it, too. Like, Lucas wasn't bad. He was just horrible when he couldn't be. He was really, really awful with two strikes. A lot of those yes. are ones that are, like, a lot of those fastballs. You can see those, those three little red fastballs near the lower of the zone in the middle of the plate. A lot of those are two strikes. I mean, what he needs is better control. He needs the velocity to come back, but even then, if you are going to have 91, you can't be throwing 91 to Alex Bregman in the middle of the zone. No. He's going to rock that shit. And I don't know, did we get a super chat from uh, Stephen Bardo? We did, yeah. Thanks for going to it. Our our guy, Stephen, uh, Stephen Bardo. Um, Sorry. I think it's Stephen. Um, He's never corrected us. So, Uh, Stephen Bardo. Stephen Bardo. I I feel like he's the Illinois basketball player. Uh, Right. Uh, He he gave us a super chat, and we appreciate that, Stephen. He said, what uh, would they pull the trigger and call up Colas? Um, There was a report saying that the White Sox aren't done tweaking their, their lineup yet, and you might be hearing something, and there was a soda emoji. So, maybe, but... I'd be surprised at this point, especially after Gavin Sheets has four hits. Yeah, he, he looked good. He, I mean, he was taking the ball the other way, which he has developed that into his game. He sees that the third baseman's playing at the shortstop position, and he lets the ball get deep and goes that way. Now, good on Gavin Sheets knowing that when the time is necessary for him to hit the ball with the fence, for the most part, he's been doing some good power hitting for the White Sox. I would run... Colas over Gavin Sheets 10 times over 10, but I don't know if Colas is ready for Major League Baseball pitching. He's killing double-A pitching. Right. I don't, Major League is a different animal, and it's a different beast, but he looks ready, though. And people talk about how well, you know, if you do well in Birmingham, that's a good sign that you'll do well in the majors. Um, maybe he can make that jump. He's 24 years, four years old, uh, has had some, um, you know, very minimal uh, professional experience over in Japan and Cuba, so maybe it's something they take a shot on to get some left-handed power. Um, Sox fans, we've got almost two months left the playoffs are right there for the taking the White Sox have a chance to win it all and so do you this Sunday only August 21st as the Sox take on the Guardians points bet and CHGO have an offer for you to guard your cash when you sign up for points bet use the code CHGO make a $51 bet either pregame or live and get $2,000 in risk-free bets a yearly CHGO membership a size C sock shirt an exclusive, and this one's brand new, an exclusive CHGO sock grip, only available with this offer, mm. and a pair of slides from the CHGO locker. Mercy. All you need to do is sign up on the PointsBet app using code CHGO. It's the best deal in town, and it just got even better. Again, you get a size C shirt, you get an exclusive CHGO sock shirt, we told you it was coming, and new slides. And that's all for $51 pregame or live. Um, I think you can do that now. But that is also something that we'll be telling you a lot about on August 21st. We'll be having a live show. Um, We'll have a pregame show. We'll have a live show throughout the game and a postgame show with our good friend Vinny Duber. We're going to bring in Vinny right after I tell you about Owen. Only what I need right now is to talk to Vinny Duber. But if I had to pick anything else, I'd pick the 100% plant-based protein shake. 
that Owen makes. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients. They're allergen-friendly. There's no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. I walked over to the West Loop Market yesterday. I saw Owen in the fridge. I was tempted to grab it. They had the double, the, the, dark, the dark chocolate one. Um, you know, it just wasn't for me in that moment, but I know Herb's made that choice, and he hasn't regretted it. You can get the chocolate flavor. You can get the vanilla flavor. You can get the salted caramel flavor. You can get the strawberry banana flavor. I know our guy Nicholas Moriano loves to use this as, after he works out. And I know Justin Fields is probably going to go to this after the preseason game tonight. Chicago Bears quarterback who follows a plant-based diet. That's where I first heard about Owen. So why don't you, like the Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, partner up with Owen. CHGO and Owen have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com. And with code CHGO20, you can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. It's only what you need. Also on liveowen.com, they have a quiz that you could take and get the right products for your diet. So go use that code CHGO20 to get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Let's go out to Guaranteed Rate Field and talk to the CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow Vinny Duber on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. A historic day at Guaranteed Rate Field. The most runs an opponent have ever scored at that ballpark. How was it, Vinny? It was long. Yeah. It was long. If you're going to have a 26-run 20, game, you know you're going to be in it for a while. So, uh, yeah, they, obviously the White Sox uh, would have preferred they were on the other side of it. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a doozy, no doubt about it. I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here up top, Sean. You said it, you called it a historic day, and that had been passed on to me as a pet peeve because historic, especially when you're talking about sports, uh, it tends to get overused. And you got to put that qualifier on it. You know what I mean? The most in baseball history, the most in White Sox history, because historic. What? What? We we're putting the twenty-one to six uh, Astros win over the White Sox in the history books, right next to the uh, COVID pandemic. Like, come on, this is uh, you know we we got we got we can't put we can't put a baseball game on the same uh, plane as the moon landing here. The most famous uh, memories in the Astros White Sox rivalry: Scott Podsednik's first home run, the twenty-one to six game today, and Paul Kerner goes home run off Chad Qualls. All right, my friend. Uh, Historic, the definition is famous or important in history or potentially so. So the fact that it says potentially so, I think leaves a lot of room to interpretation. No, bad. (laughs) Who'd you talk to after this bad game? I mean, as you might expect, the uh, the words were short. The the chats were brief today with Lucas Giolito and uh, and Gavin Sheets, uh, who man had four hits today. Um, but uh, yeah, Tony Larusa said it was brutal. He, you know, he listen when when teams get beat like this, they know that it's bad. That doesn't make it that doesn't make it any uh, less you know or any more fun, I should say. Um, you know, I think Tony said something like, "Yeah, it was brutal for White Sox fans. Brutal for us too to have to play in." So. Um, it was horrible. They were uh, the pitching was really bad. Uh, Lucas Giolito gave up way too many runs and threw and got way too few outs. Um, I mean, that was your ball game right there early. I mean, by the time the book was closed on him, it was seven to nothing. I mean, that that's it right there. So, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who are frustrated by watching the offense. And, yeah, they had the bases loaded situations in back-to-back innings where they only got one run out of each of them. But, guys, let's not pretend like they were going to, you know, score 10 in the, or that, that it was realistic for them to score 10, uh, you know, in those situations. Um, the problem was that the pitching gave up 
well, let's call it 17 runs because it was a position player who gave up the other four. But uh, 21 to five, that's that's nasty. That's that's one of the worst ones that we've seen in a while. I know the game was well out of hand by the time the sixth and seventh innings rolled along, but the White Sox had bases loaded, no one out, and both of those innings scoring one run apiece in both of those innings. As they focused on anything about that because they've had time and time again where they had that exact situation and failed to score runs or scored a very minimal runs do the white Sox? i don't know like work on things to not choke in situations <laughs> like that because it's like every time i see it i'm like they're gonna score one or zero runs it's just so maddening that they keep on doing it i know they're not doing it on purpose but it seems like it yeah, no, it's funny. Listen, I mean, there's there's so there's there's so much. Um, I I don't want to use the word disconnect because that sounds bad, but like it's just really funny to me how you know myself included, anybody out there watches a game and goes, you know, look at that, that's bad. They need to they need to fix that. Why aren't they trying to fix that? Obviously, these guys are f- trying to fix it. They've been, they work all the time. It's so funny that the idea is like, you know, oh, my God, this one, they pull one lever and obviously, you know, oh, why? It never occurred to us to practice when guys are on base kind of thing. I'm not trying to say that to bury anybody. I just think that it is a funny thing that occurs because they know they know that this isn't going well and so a lot of it is unexplainable a lot of it is because of all the other problems they've had offensively all year long that you can point to and say why aren't they fixing that but some of this stuff is just you know weird and uh you know i think the white Sox being bad in situations like that are because the white Sox are not really that great of an offensive team in all situations um you know there obviously are those those few numbers that you can point to where they're hitting, you know, they, they got a lot of hits, they got a high batting average, but they don't walk, they don't homer, that kind of thing. Uh, they sure walked a hell of a lot today, but um, it, it, it still ends up kind of being the same old story. I think five runs for the most part uh, throughout this season, uh, a point of people, uh, a bunch of people would have jumped up and celebrated them scoring five runs in a game as opposed to two or three. Uh, but uh, today it, it, it was uh, made to look like it was practically nothing with how many runs they gave up. Yeah, uh, just a shocking day. I think the only thing else I want to talk about with this game are probably A.J. Pollock and Lucas Giolito. Uh, what'd you think of that catch by A.J. Pollock? I didn't know the old man could get up like that still. The A in A.J. stands for air, obviously. And the, <laughs> we, can say that, we can say that the J stands for Jordan. How about that? Air Jordan Pollock. But, uh, I mean, yeah, tremendous catch out there. I mean, we're used to seeing it from Adam Engel, right? We're used to seeing uh, that kind of thing from Luis Robert, uh, you know. AJ Pollock uh, carrying the carrying the torch there for center fielders uh, with the White Sox. That was a phenomenal catch that, of course, is going to be very well lost uh, because of the result. I don't know if it's officially official with the Elvis Andres signing, but did Tony talk about adding his presence tomorrow in Cleveland? Uh, it's not. It, it, it's very much not official. Uh, the only thing that we've seen is the report from Jeff Passan. Um, but some signals, uh, Tony. I asked Tony in the pregame today basically about Sosa and Gonzalez and whether they're okay with those guys, you know, being who, who uh, carry them through this TA injury. And he said, and his first response was, uh, well, you know, our, our front office guys are working on it and maybe they will be an addition to the roster kind of thing. So Tony forecasting a move a little bit like that. And then of course they, during the game, they make the move uh, on the 40 man to, to, to outright uh, Yoan Ibar. Uh, and I don't blame any, I don't blame any uh, White Sox fans out there for not knowing who that might be, but uh 
he's a pitcher that was on the 40-man roster. He is not anymore. So obviously a free spot on that 40-man roster to add someone else. Uh, so we will probably see that tomorrow. All signs point to yes, to use magic eight ball lingo. Um, but yeah, nothing official there, but uh, an upgrade, right? I, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it kind of shows you the uh, status of the, Guys after Tim Anderson on the depth chart, specifically the production woes that Larry Garcia has had this year, that uh, we saw some similar behavior on social media to uh, going out and getting Elvis Andrews that we saw when Manny Machado and Bryce Harper were free agents. So, you know what I mean? It was, you know, this year it's been right, right. This I uh, not naming any names there, Sean, but this year it's been uh uh, man, they better go sign Marcus Semien. Man, they better trade for Juan Soto. And man, they better sign Elvis Andrews off waivers. I mean, uh, listen, it, it is uh, it, it is an upgrade, no doubt about it. But nobody should be expecting this guy to do anything but be right around, you know, what he's done for a long time. He's hitting 250. He's getting on base around 300. Uh, he's he's not done. He's not an all-star anymore. He hasn't been since 2012. Uh, and uh, he, this is the better, the best year offensively he's had in like five years. So um, you know, this is not some sort of huge savior that's coming in. But is he better than Lenin Sosa? Yes. Is he better than Larry Garcia? Yes. Romy Gonzalez obviously has barely played this year because he had to get his tonsils taken out. So uh, you have no idea what you're going to get from there. Some more dependability with with uh, Elvis Andrus and obviously a guy who's been there before. The reason I have that reaction, though, and what I was saying at the deadline is I want the White Sox to improve their depth. They made one move. Like, I, I wanted something from this team. I, I think, you know, Lenin and Romy, like, they're interesting pieces. Maybe they'll make it one day. But right now, when you're fighting for first place, you need competency. Elvis Andres brings you competency. I'm going to cheer competency for this White Sox team when I see it. Elvis Andres has the lowest ground ball rate of his career. Yay! That's exactly what the White Sox need. In his last 41 games, a 777 OPS. Yay! I'll take it. Like, it, it's a sign of life, which, which I will welcome, especially when we're talking about fire or lack of fire with this team. It's a guy that's going to be in a professional mindset. Everyone in Oakland says that he's been a positive clubhouse uh, influence there. I, I think that especially having some, you know, familiarity with some players on the team, whether it be Lance Lynn, Josh Harrison, whether it be brief, I think it's going to be a good addition. It is an upgrade. And we see the upgrade that Jake Diekman is over Tanner Banks, the upgrade over Elvis Andrews uh, compared to Romy Gonzalez and uh, Lenin Soso, while it might not be to the level of Manny Machado is still an upgrade. And I will, uh, I will celebrate upgrades whenever they happen. Um, and it does show that Rick Hans phone does work. Um, I do want to talk uh, about Lucas. Where is he at? Because just there was moments in this game where it felt like Lucas was back. It felt like things were working for him. And then he'd get into two strikes and he would just get battered around. And the Astros just seemed to have his number on two strikes. Was he in a rough spot after the post game or was it just kind of not a lot of words? Oh, well, yeah, he was mad. He said he was he said he was terrible. Um, he said he gave up too many runs. All, all, you know, all those things are objectively true. Um, it was being described today as maybe kind of a bad day, not necessarily the continuation of trends that we've seen. I mean, guys, Lucas's ERA is above five. He has not had a very good season um, uh, at all. Uh, but throughout the year, we've heard kind of him working on certain things to, to kind of find himself. To He's been searching for himself, but they've been working specifically. Today, it was very much like, that sucked. 
You know what I mean? And, and so I'm, I'm not sure if this is the game, even though he gave up seven runs and only got nine outs. I'm not sure this is the game where you can extrapolate moving forward or can look to 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 the past for trends. Uh, I'm not sure that's what this is. Uh, maybe, you know, after the heat of the moment, uh, after the initial disappointment, if he, you know, speaks over the next few days or the next few weeks, uh, you know, more broadly about what's been going on, there'll be a different answer. But um, as of right now, it was being described as a day that just uh, was one of those days. Um, and the, obviously, Lucas has had too many of those this year, but this one might not necessarily be connected to the same kind of things that are going on last thing i got for you Vinny. it's not a serious question it's that joan jet shirt you got on do you like her name brand song i love rock and roll i love it i think everybody needs to remember that it is a cover uh which is interesting but uh yeah who's, that who's that that is uh, it's a band nobody's ever heard of. I can't even remember it off the top of my head, to be honest with you. But yeah, obviously she has the most well-known version, but that's not uh, a song that she wrote. That being said, it is a, a phenomenal tune. I have the record on vinyl, uh, which is a tremendous album. Uh, and yeah, she's she's awesome. Very deserving Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Joan Jett. What's your favorite song of hers? Uh... I don't know. That's a good question. It's hard to not, hard to not say I love rock and roll. That's it's it's so good. That's uh, very singable in any sort of situation. But uh, the cover of Crimson and Clover, but uh, the Tommy James song, that's a good one, too. Obviously, uh, the cover of Bits and Pieces, Dave Clark Five. That's a good one, too. Um, and uh, obviously, it, uh, she did uh, the, the, the song that Springsteen wrote, Light of Day, uh, toward the end of the 80s there. That's on some movie soundtrack somewhere you got to go find from some Michael J. Fox movie. Uh, but it's a, it's a song Springsteen wrote, uh, and she performed it for that movie. And uh, if you can track it down, it's a pretty good one. And by yeah, the I way, know that the, from his Unplugged, but I didn't know that Joan Jett did it. Mm -hmm. the, band, the band that wrote I Love Rock and Roll and performed it first is The Arrows, a British band. Yeah, you're right. Yes. I've never heard of them in my life. <laughs> Neither have they heard, heard themselves either. It was from the movie Light of Day with Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett. There you this go. This movie seems horrible. I haven't seen the movie. I've heard the song. The song's quite good. Hey, maybe if the White Sox are real bad in October, uh, maybe in those nine games, those last nine games we're talking about, if they're not in contention, maybe just instead of watching the White Sox game, we'll review uh, Light of Day. <laughs> With Joan Jett and Michael J. Fox. There you um, go. That's our off-season off -season movie club right there. There you go. Uh, final thing I got for you. Uh, Gavin Sheets, has he talked about his uh, well, approach at the plate? It seems a lot of very much uh, opposite field hitting, uh, a lot of trying to beat this shift. Has he talked any about that at all? I mean, he just had four hits today, career high. Yeah, I think you're seeing the fruits of the of the work that he put in when he went down back down to AAA. I think every everybody that talks about him, specifically Tony La Russa, but but you know Rick Hahn as well, and some of the other folks, uh, you know, they say, you know, look at look at what happened. What a great turnaround. They've been citing his. Um, the way he looks right now as the way he's looked this whole time uh, since he came back from the minor leagues. Obviously, the results have been a little bit more up and down than that. Um, but, um, you know, finding some consistency here a little bit lately, given that inconsistent playing time, is, is something that he needs to do because this is the role that he's in, is a guy that's going to be called on not every day, you know, maybe every every once every few days or, or in a pinch hit situation like you saw the other night. So, um, 
it's a great thing for the White Sox because they need they need uh, all the offensive help they can get right now. Uh, certainly, Chris Johnson, who uh, is the hitting coach down there at AAA uh, Charlotte, receives rave reviews for just about everybody he works with. Uh, you know, Jake Berger earlier in the season, you'll remember, uh, he got Johnson got some credit for that as well. So, um, you know, these guys, uh, uh, they, they like what Chris Johnson does there at AAA, and the results uh, are there for, for a few of these big leaguers. Absolutely. Thank you, Vinny, for your coverage out at Guaranteed Rate Field today at this historic Astros and White Sox game. You can follow our CHGO White Sox beat writer on Twitter at Vinny Dubergev. Yeah, and Vinny will be joining us on Sunday for that watch-along game on the 21st. So uh, excited to watch games with you, Vinny. Hours and hours of coverage. Online. Everybody's going to get to watch me eating combos, which is what I usually do when I'm in the uh, in the studio for for a game. So uh, that'll be great. That'll be great podcasting. I'm sure me with my mouth full of food. Our, our producer Stephen Nicholas said a uh, brunch with the boys. He said he's bringing in uh, orange juice and champagne uh, for our 10:30 affair. Get ready. So. Oh, mimosas. Okay, so we're getting hammered during. Yes, this. Gotcha. You'll, right. you'll be loaded <laughs> and, and eating combos. It'll be a great time. Yeah, the combos will soak all that uh, alcohol up. There you go. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> It'll be fun on Sunday with our guy Vinny. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Vinny. We'll talk to you then. And Sox fans, we've still got almost two months left. The playoffs are right there for the taking. The White Sox still have a chance to win it all. And so do you. This Sunday, only August 21st, as the Sox take on the Guardians, PointsBet and CHGO have an offer for you to guard your cash. When you sign up for PointsBet, use the code C. H-G-O, and make a $51 bet or more, either in the pregame or live. Uh, I think you can do this starting right now. This will be the read when we're doing the pregame show, when we're watching live with you. But I'm pretty sure that our guy Jake said that this can start right now. So you can download the PointsBet app right now, use code C-H-G-O, and when you make a $51 or more uh, bet, a $51 or more bet, you will get $2,000 in risk-free bets, a yearly CHGO membership, a size C sock shirt, an exclusive CHGO sock script shirt, only available with this offer, and a pair of slides from the CHGO locker. Those slides are brand new. That CHGO uh, script shirt is brand new. So again, sign up for the PointsBet app, use code CHGO, and if you make a $51 more or uh, a more bet, on the PointsBet app, you'll get $2,000 in risk-free bets, a yearly CHGO membership, a SciSox shirt, and an exclusive sock, CHGO sock sh- script shirt, only available with this offer, and the pair of slides from the CHGO locker. All you need to do is sign up on the PointsBet app using code CHGO. It's the best deal in town, and it just got better. And uh, interesting note there about Chris Johnson and Charlotte. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our YouTube chat is blowing up. Uh, Charlotte makes the best hitters, and Frank, uh, the GOAT, reconverts them to litter leaguers. Uh, Adam, Alex Root saying the hitting coach uh, seems to know what he's doing. We also had a, a, a chat from our guy, Rusted, a super chat from our guy, Rusted, saying the Chicago White Sox are ruining my life. Help me. I wish we could, Rusted. You are a very, very diehard White Sox fan. We love your support. We just can't. I think Rusted also said something else uh, about the Sox, if you could just search his name. But uh, it, it's brutal for these diehards out here, Herb. Yeah, like somebody was saying, like, you know, can I stop watching the White Sox? Yeah. Or we should stop watching White Sox. We can't. You guys should. Oh, right if you're feeling a certain way and your mental health is struggling, you, I know every time a White Sox game ends and they don't play well, I feel a little bit worse. Yeah. You know, we're fans. You, you, like, that's what my uh, definition for myself 
of being a fan. For years, the Bulls would play between the Jordan years until last year with Io. I wouldn't feel a damn thing if they won or lost. The Bears, every single time, no matter if I cared or didn't, I cared emotionally for the Bears to win or lose, and it would approve or discourage my mood. Illini football and basketball have the same effect on me, and the White Sox do too. That's what being a fan is. And if you're feeling like this season is taking a toll on you, step away. There's been plenty of White Sox fans that have done this. We'll be here recapping games, and when they do win five in a row, if you want to join us, we'll be here enjoying a five-game winning streak. But, yeah, it's not worth you just uh, feeling bad every day, the White Sox, watching three hours of garbage. No, it's terrible. We'll do that for you. That's why we get paid the big bucks. So watch terrible games and then tell you how we feel about it. Well, and, hey, those Bleacher and Bruise tickets are still going to be there, right? The White Sox are oh, still yeah. going to be there. They're still going to be wanting you to go to the games, spending their money at Guaranteed Ray Field. So don't worry. The White Sox aren't going anywhere if you go anywhere. And the thing is, like, I've always, like, I don't know if I've ever had a bad time at Guaranteed Ray Field or any ballpark that I've been in. It's always a awesome time. The people around are going to be great. No matter the result, you're going to enjoy yourself. So if you want to just go to games, get loaded, go to games, enjoy some, <laughs> to enjoy some fan, uh, some fellow fans, and talk and bitch with them in person, that's a much better option. Find some secondary market tickets that are under ten dollars. Don't give too much money for Jerry Reinsdorf, or somebody's got some free tickets. Go ahead and go to the game. You enjoy yourself, but to watch that game and just slog through it, you know, Jason and Steve are great. I love them, but. They probably say the same thing. Nah, Stoney left the booth. Yeah, if I didn't have to do this, I wouldn't be watching this dead ass team. Stoney's like, ah, I'm done talking to Jason. I'm gonna go talk to the guy from Houston. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. That's for sure. Uh, Going back to what Rust had said, um, I I liked what he said about Vinny uh, saying that right there. Vinny, obviously, uh, they're trying to fix it about the three O counts, but Tony is using a Phillips head screwdriver to unclog the (laughs) toilet. That one's great. And then Alex about Rusted saying, you guys need better help uh, as a sponsor to get help for Rusted. Uh, Rusted, it will be okay, our our dear, dear friend. And Raul and Rusted brought up something. The opener for that damn stadium, 16-0, getting suplexed by the Detroit Tigers. Raul saying the most runs the Sox gave up at home since the Tigers' home opener in 1991, 16-0 on Channel 9. I really remember that day, 21-6. That was an ass-whooping. It was an ass-whooping, and I see Yousef mentioning in the comments, you got to fire Frank Minichino, and I will wait for the day the White Sox fire Frank Minichino. Well, let's talk about some of the numbers about this ass-whooping. Time scoring 10 runs in a game at guaranteed rate field this season okay. from at C. Kampka, Chris Kampka, the stat maven over at NBC Sports Chicago. The opponents, eight. Wow. The White Sox, zero. Ah, Herb, I've... you want a little bit more salt in that wound? Uh, please, pour it down. So the time scoring 10 plus runs at guaranteed rate field this season, the opponents, eight. The White Sox scoring 10 or more runs this season, six. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Right? Not that's fun. so terrible. God. No, and, not, this, and the thing is, like, that's what we expected. We expected this team to be an offensive-driven team. Like, we knew the starters were good, but we knew we had uh, some holes at four and five. Johnny Cueto has come in and filled that hole. Dallas Qua- uh, Keuchel was terrible, and Lucas Giolito so far this year has been terrible. So the starting pitcher has been pretty solid. We thought this team would be driven by the offense. That's half of the reason why we were like, okay, here we go. 
this team is going to go places. That's why we both had Luis Robert as our MVP for this year because we thought third year in the league, finally healthy. Here we go, Luis Robert, hitting 30 home runs, stealing 30 bases, playing gold glove defense, all that stuff. But none of that stuff is coming to fruition, and people come to guarantee rate and see the White Sox perfectly. They're like, mm, this is some delicious eating. Right. We're having a great time. The White Sox like, I don't know what a baseball is here at guarantee rate. We cannot score more <laughs> runs than 10. 10 well, runs in a game at the house at guarantee rate, which is an offensive juggernaut ballpark? Well, and I found, I found the, biggest, uh, the biggest reason why. The biggest reason why is what we thought during the, the, the show. Hmm. The White Sox versus the fastball. The White Sox versus the fastball, friends. Four-seam fastballs, two-seam fastballs, sinkers, cutters. doesn't matter. Any type of fastball. The White Sox, isolated power, which is batting average or slugging percentage minus batting average. They're isolated power. 28th in the league against fastballs. 28th. This team cannot hit the most primary pitch in the majors. And I know slider usage has been up this year. Slider usage is higher than it's ever been before. But the White Sox just cannot handle a simple fastball. It is sad. It is pathetic. And not only are they not doing it in hitters counts, they're not doing it oh oh, They're not doing it oh one. Just swing and miss, swing and miss, driving balls into the ground. Absolutely pathetic. It's not only that. Like, it can't hit. And then how many times have you seen him? We discussed it earlier. Just let that fastball go right down middle. Go Mm -hmm. on the corners. An 0-2 count or a 3-1 count. Doesn't matter. White Sox are not doing anything with the fastball. We saw, as Sean was talking about, you throw a 91-mile-per-hour fastball to Alex Bregman, he's going to deposit it. He's going to show you exactly what he means. Altuve got a fastball and almost deposited it if not for Air Pollock there. So you see other teams who are at the top of the league and what they do. That's where the White Sox are supposed to be, but they haven't got there yet. They probably won't get there this year. 43 more games left in the season? Yeah. I highly doubt they'll just turn on a switch and start hitting fastballs. Highly doubt that they'll start hitting home runs. And they still, what, got only 103 home runs in the year? Yeah. Trash. It's ugly. And, hey, Yoan went deep, which was great to see. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's once in a blue moon, basically, with them. We did ask the question earlier, have the White Sox scored 21 runs in a week? Um, last week, uh, from the 9th to the 14th, they scored 24 runs. The week prior, the 1st to the 7th, they scored 26. So they did, but not by much. <laughs> you know? Hey, there you go. And I still love this team, too. I, I see what Herman's saying. I, I love this team. I, I, I love these players. I, I like the guys that they have. I like the roster. I don't like the manager. I don't like the coaches. I don't like the poor job the general manager's done, and I don't like the owner forcing a manager on this team. I really like the players, and it's not the players' fault that this is the situation. Can they be playing better? Absolutely. Can they be playing with more flyer? Absolutely. I don't want to excuse them, but I see the main issues being more the coaches the general manager, and the owner. And Cub fan Pat Hunt says, why actually are the Sox keeping TLR? Is it truly just his relationship with Jerry? Yes. Yes. In 1986, Hawk Harrelson fired Tony La Russa, and that was Jerry Reinsdorf's biggest mistake as a owner in 40 years. Yeah, and he... So, no. He... Yeah, he made sure that he didn't have any regrets before he leaves this earth and rehired this guy who hadn't managed in 11 years. And keeping him on there and theoretically 
the general manager nor the VP of baseball operations can fire this guy who has been deserving to get fired multiple times this year. So this is why the frustration comes through. This is why we keep on asking the same questions because we know that nothing's going to be done, but we got to ask it for ourselves to feel a little relief to not leave any stone left unturned for ourselves because maybe there's an answer somewhere. Maybe somewhere, somehow, that Tony's like, you know what, fuck this shit. I'm out, man. I got a Hall of Fame plaque. I got three championships. I don't need all this frustration. That's what I would be feeling like. If I had all that stuff, money in the bank, respect, now he just ruined his legacy. Most White Sox fans are going to think of him as a complete failure. Complete failure. There's not a lot of fans. I mean, like, last year it was pretty obnoxious. I mean, mainly the large debate between White Sox Twitter was TLR or no TLR. Yeah. A lot of those TLR supporters are quiet this year. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's kind of the same with Robin Ventura. If you bring up Robin Ventura's name with White Sox fans, White Sox presents he was a horrible manager. His baseball career with the White Sox is kind of forgotten. Tony La Russa as a White Sox manager the first time around was all right. Got him to the playoffs for the first time in, I think, like 30-plus years in 1983 and fired in 86 and immediately goes on to Oakland, does great things, winning World Series, and eventually in St. Louis, too. But if you ask White Sox fans after Tony La Russa's tenure here, they're going to say, failure, terrible. We hated him. And his legacy will be this White Sox team. It will be. It'll be part of it. And so... They have to, as Vinny said, they have to probably chisel a little bit more into his uh, Hall of Fame plaque and put 2021 through 2022, hopefully only 2022, in his Hall of Fame plaque and say, Tony really failed as a White Sox manager. He had a team that was ready to win, and that team failed. This is part of his legacy. And for me, if I was Tony La Russa, I would like, no, I don't want my lasting image to be this failure of a team. I don't know why he came back. It was dumb because this is what I'm going to think about when I think about Tony Russo. Amen. And, hey, when uh, Chris Woodward was fired, Bob Nightingale wrote up in USA Today, the White Sox would never fire Larusa again, but they would move him to a special assistance role if they missed the postseason. So if they miss the postseason, he will still have a job in the White Sox organization. And if they make the playoffs, he still has another year yep. under contract. So he could be the manager next year if this team makes the playoffs. Uh, he said, uh, Bob, too, they're the most under- underachieving team in baseball, playing in the league's softest division. That should get, and this is not Bob, this is me adding that, that should get someone's fired, fired, but because he's best friends with the owner, it just simply won't. All right, Herb, you ready to feel optimistic? Yes. So after this one, we thought no better way to spend our time than putting together five reasons to be optimistic, five reasons to be pessimistic. Do you want to do the optimistic ones or the pessimistic ones? Let's do optimistic first because the pessimistic is pretty obvious. And uh, let's end the show on a sad note. The top five reasons to be optimistic about your 2022 Chicago White Sox. Number one, they have the eighth best weighted runs created plus with runners on, runners in scoring position, and the bases loaded. You wouldn't think so, but they've been decently good. With those situations, and Yoan Mankata, uh, especially with those situations, has been pretty good. Well, and they've been uh, they've been good in two of the three. Bases loaded, not so much. But when you uh, account for uh, runners on and runners in scoring position, uh, eighth best team uh, in, in in baseball this year. Number two, the ninth best ERA for starters since June 
first. Johnny Cueto has been great. Dylan Cease has been a Cy Young candidate. Lance Lynn's been pretty, eh, he hasn't been awful, hasn't been horrible. Lucas Giolito's been the worst of the five. But Michael Kopech has been good as well. The starters, at least the first three, I trust. Yeah, they've had a sub-3 ERA since, I believe, June 30th. Um, doing a great job with their starters. You know, Sands today's start for, for Lucas Giolito. They're, they've been giving the White Sox more than a chance to win each and every game that they've been in. Besides today. Well, and shout out to Mr. Agayo uh, in the chat here. Easiest schedule. You still have to beat the teams. That is so true. I actually didn't think about that. Going through the White Sox year, this entire year, where we keep mentioning that they have the easiest schedule. I haven't thought once that you actually have to win those games. I thought this the wins come. But the weird part about it, Mr. Aguayo, the White Sox, since the second half has started, have one of the best records <gasps> in the American League. No, that's, that's, that's narrative ball there, Herb. Let's go to more uh, reasons to feel optimistic because the third one is the easiest schedule. Uh, they have the easiest schedule of the top three teams in the AL Central and I think the 26th easiest schedule in the major leagues. Feel free to bring up that graphic, Stephen. Uh, the Minnesota Twins have the 15th easiest or just 15th schedule, I guess, because that's just right in the middle. Yep. Uh, they have a, uh, a opponent win percentage of 499 coming up. They have three games against the Astros, four games against the Yankees, eight games against the Guardians, nine against the Sox, three against the Giants. Um, so those are real tough teams right there. The uh, Guardians have the 20th hardest, uh, easiest schedule. Uh, I guess the 20th, yeah, 20th easiest schedule. No, it will be the be 10th, 10th. 10th easiest right, schedule. We should have flipped this. Uh, Padres, two games against the Padres, seven games against the Mariners, three games against the Rays, eight games against the Twins, and three games against the Baltimore Orioles. And the White Sox have the 26th hardest schedule. Um, they have uh, three games against the Padres, three games against the Mariners, six against the Twins, and nine against the, uh, or six against the Guardians, and nine against the Twins. Uh, it's a reason to be optimistic. I mean, you're playing the A's. You're playing the Tigers, who you've handled well. Uh, you're playing the Rockies, who you split with last time. You're playing the Diamondbacks. I mean, there's something there, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of bum teams in there. And yes, the White Sox haven't taken advantage of the Kansas City Royals on the schedule as the Royals have more wins than losses versus the White Sox this year. But they've killed the Detroit Tigers. And the A's have been giving people away as the White Sox now have Alvis Andres, not officially, but that is uh, the signing has been announced by Jeff Passan. You know, four games versus the A's. Three next weekend on Elvis night, the 26th, 27th, 28th, with those Diamondbacks who are cooked, too. So there's people, there's availability for the White Sox to get right back in here this weekend versus the Guardians. Well, three games in Cleveland, take two out of three. This was a stat you shared, too, um, about those starters. That was the second point. Um, the Sox starting pitching on a 288 ERA in 25 games since the All-Star break, the best mark in the AL and third best in the majors. Now, that's going to balloon after a game like today, but that's one game. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. So, um, you know, the pitching has been good, and you're going up against poor-hitting teams. Number four, the reason, the fourth reason to be optimistic about this White Sox, the bullpen is filthy. They have the 11th best ERA in the major leagues, 11th best war, and it feels like they've been better since. Not a great day from Jose Ruiz, but again, just a bad day. He's been really good in the past two months. Jake Diekman's been a good addition. Hendricks has been nails when, Kelly. when healthy. Kelly's been great. We talked about his last 14 outings. Graveman's been good when not in the ninth inning. So, 
and Raylo. Jimmy, Jimmy well. Lambert. Jimmy Lambert's been nails. Uh, uh, Raylo's been fantastic. So a lot of great stuff out of that bullpen if the Sox could ever have a lead in a playoff game. Uh, <laughs> and then the fifth reason to be optimistic, veteran presence from outsiders. Uh, you mentioned this already a little bit, but they just signed Elvis Andrews. We talked about the 10 players in the veteran uh, meeting with Tony. So I, I do like that they have voices from outside the team. It's not just Leary. It's not just Jose, right? Yaz has been in many different organizations. Joe Kelly's been in different organizations. Liam, uh, Lance Lynn, Johnny Cueto, Elvis, Josh, etc. cetera. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, it's very good that other people who have seen winning cultures, winning teams, come to the White Sox like, Ugh, this is not it. You see Johnny Cueto calling out the team. You see Dallas Keiko calling out the team last year. Same thing when Kendall Graveman came in and said, this is what we did with the Astros. When I was in Seattle, we did certain things. When I went to the Astros, it was more buttoned down, and winning was the only thing that we cared about. So bringing in those different players from different teams, because the White Sox are such an insular, for the most part, failure of an organization, it's good to have people who are from winning organizations to teach you how they did it on a different team instead of the culture and the organizational uh, things that they taught with the White Sox. All right, and now Yousef and uh, Chi-Town are saying, how is 11th good or how is 11th filthy? I'm so sorry, guys. There's no reason to be optimistic about the White Sox. The, the, the bullpen's been good in the last two months, all right? I'm, I mean, so, I'm sorry. I mean, 11th. Nothing, of, there's no reason to be happy about the White Sox. There's no reason to be optimistic. Cancel the season. 11th out of <laughs> 30 teams is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's not, not horrible. The, it's not, right? We're not talking about half the league. We're talking about the full league. Yeah, the eleventh best bullpen out there. I'm trying to find you know better stats for you. I mean, the White Sox bullpen has allowed the sixth least earned runs since July first. How about that? Is that is that better for you? Uh, yeah. The White Sox have. Oh, that's not that many. Twentieth uh, most strikeouts since July 11th. I don't know. Never mind. Uh, well, then there's only four reasons to be optimistic. Then let's go to the. Let's go to the pessimistic let's, reason. Let's be pessimistic because we're already here. That's what the chat wants. Uh, number one, lack of home run power, Herb. Do we need to elaborate more than that? No, they're bad. They're hey. really, really poor at hitting the ball over the fence. They are. You saw what happened when the Astros hit the ball over the fence. Results. Good results. The White Sox only hit the ball over the fence one time. <laughs> Five one, runs. And one time, that was a, it was a great one time. It was. Uh, uh, it's good to see Yo finally hit a fastball and crush it. It's it was. It's been few and far between with, for him. And we'll see if he does that again against the, uh, the Guardians or if he just, you know, stares at fastballs going down the middle uh, of the plate. Number two, lack of postseason experience for Dylan Cease. Two and two-thirds, two strikeouts, and he has an ERA above 10. I do worry about that. If you need to win a game in the playoffs, if you get there, Dylan Cease is your game one starter, but he really hasn't had a lot of moments being in that spot. I do think that he'll have a ton, a ton of adrenaline in that moment. Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be a problem because the, the playoffs are a different beast. And you're going against a team in the wild card and you lose that game because Dylan Cease wasn't on his game. It's going to be really tough to win the next game, which is the best of three series. So you're going to throw Jordan Cueto out for that second game. And, yeah, Johnny Cueto's been nails, and he's got the veteran experience, but it's going to be so much pressure on him if Dylan Seats doesn't go out and perform like he does in the regular season because that playoff, like we said, it's a different animal, and not having that experience and not having good experience in the playoffs might come to, uh, come to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, he does have a great pitch. He does have one pitch to rely on, so maybe 
just maybe that will help him get through. But uh, I, I do worry that if he walks the first guy of that game, you know, a two-run home run might knock him off his game, and, and we won't see Cy Cease. Number three, team hasn't shown consistent fire. They just had a meeting on Friday about this. That's a concern. I, I worry about their ability to lock in, their ability to focus, and, hey, it feels like they kind of fell out of it a bit. In this game, they were able to get bases loaded in many different situations, but they only were able to drive in two runs with no outs and the bases loaded twice. That's pathetic, and I think that's probably fire right there. You're not locking in, you're not looking for a pitch, and you're not right to hit fastballs. If I have to watch Sebi Zavala swing and miss at more fucking fastballs with the bases loaded, I'm going to puke. And the thing is, like, in the seventh thing, they got what I need to get done. They hit a ball in the air eventually, I think, with one out for Yohan Moncada to score on a sack fly. But few and far between that they do that. They usually hit the ball on the ground and it's a 6-4-3 double play or a 5-4-3 double play. It's like, what are you doing? What is your plan there? You're always like ultra aggressive too because usually when they have these bases loaded situations, the pitcher has walked a couple people or he's looking bad and our hitters are ultra aggressive not allowing this pitcher to get himself continuously in trouble. They just, like, for a team that hits a bunch of singles during um, when they're not, bases are not loaded, they fail all the time with the bases loaded. And it's just, why, what's, your, what's your plan? What do, right. what do you want to do in this zero-out, bases-loaded situation? The worst thing you could do is strike out because no runs score, and now it puts the pressure on the next guy. Well, the White Sox more often than not strike out or hit into the ground ball double play, well, which is rally killing. It's just and, de- deflating for the audience, deflating for the team right there. And what did we learn yesterday? What, what category with the bases loaded are the White Sox the leader in? Infield fly, fly balls, balls with the bases loaded. Like 31%. So, yes. So not only are they striking out with the bases loaded, not only are they grounding into double plays, the other thing that they're doing is flying out in the infield and not even getting a sacrifice fly. Pathetic. And here, uh, just for you guys, the White Sox, since July 1st, have a top 10 bullpen according to War and a top 10 bullpen according to FIP. All right, there you go. There's the optimism right there. And let's go to the final reason to be pessimistic. I think it's the last reason to be pessimistic. No. Uh, Number four, 28th in ISO power uh, versus fastballs. We already mentioned that. And number five, sixth worth defense by outs above average. They're tied with the Pirates. Um, So that's not... Good. So that's not. They don't hit homers. They don't play defense. They're horrible at running the bases, and they have no fire to play with. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Right. My husband's dead. Um, Yeah, it was uh, very, very bad. If you have bad defense and you can't score runs, like the playoffs are going to be real tough. You know. Yes. I got it. Playoffs are really far away for us. We're two and a half games out. But if they ever get into the playoffs, it's going to be really hard to win any games there because you're booting the ball around, and then the other team's taking advantage of that, and then you can't take advantage of the other team's uh, mistakes because when you get bases loaded, you hit the ball in the air, you hit the ball on the ground, you don't hit the ball over the fence because you've only done that one time. One. One time. And that guy is active. And hasn't played an actual game in about uh, six days. Um, so you're not even getting, you know, the, the full inf- reinforcements uh, of this team. Final thing we want to talk to you about, the matchups against the Cleveland Guardians. This is an important, important series. I see a lot of fans saying they need a sweep. They uh. need a sweep. They need a sweep. They need a sweep. 
We'll see what happens against the Guardians. The Sox are two and a half games back of the Guardians. Guardians are 63 and 55. Sox are 61 and 58. So if they can hand the Guardians three losses, Herb, they'll be in first place. Theoretically, unless the Twins also win their three games. That's true. But, yeah, the the White Sox have... Twins are going up against the Rangers, so it's possible. The White Sox have their fate in their hands. If they want to win and they want to be in the playoffs... Just win games. Just win games. That's it. It's a tough schedule. Tristan McKenzie is tough. So is Shane Bieber. But excuses go out the window. When you need to win, go ahead and win. Because I, I know that Lance Lynn's going to give him a, a good chance to win. Even though his start a couple of starts ago versus the Royals was four runs, it was two two-run home runs. That's a, more than enough to get the job done when you only give up four runs. We know what we got in Johnny Cueto. That man gives up three earned runs or less pretty much every single start that he's been there. He's only given up more than three earned, earned runs one time versus the Cubs. That's it. And you know about our guy, Dylan Cease. Right. So look, this is how good you are when fans are disappointed that you gave up three earned runs. <laughs> disappointed. Like, oh, Cease is cooked. Three right. earned runs? What is this trash out here? Giving up three earned runs? You're, you're garbage. We know these pitchers are all going to give the White Sox a chance to win these games in Cleveland. Now, will the offense uh, join them and give the off, give the defense a chance to win? Probably not. Yeah, and it's not like they do well against right-handers. Um, so, you know, Shane Bieber's had their number for the large part of his career outside of the last time they faced him. Aaron Savale left the game in the first inning the last time they were supposed to play him, so we didn't really get to see Savale versus the Sox. He just struck out 10 in his last game, mm. so... That should be fun. And Tristan McKenzie, last time the Sox faced him, I think he went seven innings deep and allowed like two earned runs. So pretty ugly. Your matchups, though, Lance Lynn on Friday versus Tristan McKenzie, Johnny Cueto versus Shane Bieber, and Dylan Cease on Sunday versus Aaron Savale. The best news, Herb, we get to watch a Dylan Cease start on Sunday. Yes, live. Join us live on Sunday morning. It's an 11 o'clock start because it's on Peacock. It'll be Jason Benetti, Rick Manning from the Indians broadcast, and Steve Stone. We'll be on YouTube, right here, the channel that you're watching right now, talking about the game, play-by-play. I know MLB prohibits it, but fuck them. We got express written consent. No, we didn't. We're going to be watching the game with you. We're going to be talking to guests. Sean, myself, Vinny Duber. We'll have a couple get one guest in studio right now. Mm. We'll have a couple guests via video talking about what's going on, what's happened this year. Guys and girls from the Sox Twittersphere and Sox Blogosphere will be joining us, and we'll be having a great time. And remember, bet that $51 right now or pregame during that game or during the game, you get that swag of that Dylan C shirt. You get that new CHGO script shirt and some CHGO slides to put on your feet. What can be better? Use code CHGO. And you got $51 to bet a points bet. It's the best points uh, sports book out there. Damn straight. It's a great deal. The best deal in town. Just got better. And yeah, and Sean's cutting his hair on Sunday, too. Right. Oh, and, and I'm cutting my... Fuck, I'm cutting my hair. I got to get clippers. That should be fun. I got clippers. I got... We, when we had sponsored earlier, we had Manscaped. Remember Can when you cut your... that work for my head, though? Yeah. They're the same clippers. They'll, be, they'll probably be much better. They'll be much smoother on your head than you would. Uh, uh, they, they use it for uh, 
more sensitive spots, Sean. I don't know about so that. So I'm sure your head will be fine. All right. Well, hopefully you have an unused Manscaped shaver. Right? I have one. I have one at home right Is now. It unused? Uh, unused. Mm-hmm. Hey, baby, let's go. Um, I don't know why I also said seven innings for McKenzie versus the Sox. I must have thought that was a different pitcher. Uh, four and one-thirds for McKenzie back on April 20th. One hit allowed, one earned run, four walks, and four strikeouts. And then also on July 23rd, five and two-thirds, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and four strikeouts. I did see our guy, uh, Blank Name, mentioning, uh, you know, if you walk against McKenzie, uh, you should have good success. The White Sox don't walk. They're the worst team uh, in Major League Baseball in walking. There's, so. there's the catch-22. Man. Right? And If even, only they could. I'll be joining Sean either bald or t- changing my hair to blonde if the White Sox don't sweep the goddamn Cleveland Guardians. If, if the White Sox lose on Friday or Saturday, Herb will be shaving his head or dyeing it. Blonde. It should be a fantastic, fantastic show. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And you can follow uh, the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. Thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing our show today. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album Tusk. We will see you on Sunday, 1030 pregame. Full live stream throughout the show. We'll be talking with you, talking with guests. Me, Herb, and Vinny on the chairs in Studio A, and then we'll have a post game for you after. So a lot of content coming up on Sunday, the 21st. Join us starting at 10.30 a.m. For Herb Lawrence, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Not really. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Go White Sox.